Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 7, Running Tournaments and Events. It's been a while, but I'm back. And today joining me along with this episode is uh, Derek from Canada. So before I uh, regale you with the stories of the King of Canada, I'll let you, I'll let him introduce himself to you. Hey guys. So my name's Derek. Like John said, I'm usually known online as Captain Murder. Uh, I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So for anyone who's geography minded, uh, that's more to the west side uh, near the Rocky Mountains. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because we first met, when did we meet? It was at Tabletop Scotland. That's right, Grand Cloud from Scotland. Yes. It was funny because like I didn't expect that we'd make it into the final. That because we were both fighting for best painted, and then we <laughs> lost. We lost to some like it was it was a nicely painted non-metallic storm size curse breakers, but it was just kind of like wow. And then we somehow made it into the final. Um, but it's like I won't talk about the final result because people get upset when I do in general, especially you, Derek. I, I get um, actually very upset, and I've been vowing vengeance ever since then. Oh, I'm afraid I'm now no longer legal allowed to fly into Canada. I, I'm, I believe Canada's locked specifically me out, so we can never never play again. Yes, uh, you're you're on our deportation no fly list. Yeah, I've just I've got too much glass. I will set off the glass. <laughs> like, I will come in double glazed. Um, but um, yeah, so like, how did you get started in Warhammer? Because I know I don't actually know how long you've been playing Warhammer in general. So th this is actually a, a little bit interesting. I grew up in a small town in Alberta where we only had one uh, independent uh, gaming store. And there was a, a very small community when I was in high school that did some miniature gaming. But it was much more football, rugby, wrestling, uh, you know, and, and being a small town in the prairies, there's definitely a a uh, really good cowboy culture uh, in there as well. So, you know, it, it was definitely a, a basement gear, but what was funny was that everybody that was playing uh, miniature games, they would be doing something. We, we didn't have the, the stereotypical neckbeards, which, which I always found funny. So after, after high school moved, uh, you know, to the big metropolis that is Calgary, uh, it's, it's really wonderful. It's but it, it's it's a nice city. I love I love it here. Uh, but had stopped playing any sort of miniature game for quite a long time, and very recently, I, I would say only about five six years ago, uh, a few of the guys on my rugby team uh, turned out to be playing, and they invited me there. So we're we're actually the the Calgary Irish Rugby Hammer, and oh. you know it's it's the biggest group of jock nerds uh, you, you <laughs> ever could have met. And so when when I got back, I was able to dig up my my Bretonians that were from the '90s, and uh, it, it immediately got a couple looks because you know there there was the you know first edition King Louis and uh, Morgana oh, wow, Green Knight. Oh yeah, so so really those, those old like actual metal sculpts that that they had back then. Uh, and then along with that, I've always been a big fan of Blood Bowl. And the, the big reason for that was you could paint an army, but I would get pretty impatient with that. And along with that, I found that if the game isn't going the way you want it to, 
then you're you're sort of stuck there. Even if you have a really nice opponent, you're stuck there for for a good two and a half three hours if you're if you're playing Age of Sigmar or forty k. Yeah, the problem is once it turns around, you're kind of like because you can tell at certain points when you're going to lose, even at deployment. But you're kind of tied in to loot, like just to play till you lose. Because the problem is, you could call it, but then you've like invested time and money. You've got like two hours just to do nothing. So it's kind of just sitting there waiting for your eventual doom. Absolutely, and and along with that, even even when things are going pretty good, you're you. You spend a lot of time when it's the other guy's turn that you're just rolling defense dice, so you lose a lot of agency in that game. Yeah. And you know, for for as much as I I love everything about uh, the the old school Warhammer and Age of Sigmar and even 40k, I, I really I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, but I, I was discovering that you know I, I just didn't have the patience for it, and so I was playing some X Wing, and and that was pretty good because after all, your Star Wars ships and pew pew. And then, uh, it, then Warhammer Underworlds came out, or as we, we still call it, Shadespire. And <laughs> uh, I, I realized that this is exactly what I want. It, it lets me buy miniatures that I normally wouldn't, but would enjoy painting. It gave, uh, it gave me the time to actually put in the effort to painting or especially converting. Uh, I I probably have more more Underworlds teams converted than I actually do that just play out of the out of the standard uh, box there. Uh, yeah, because I remember when we first met, like when I saw your curse breakers, they were all converted, and then not even that. You had like uh, you had the display plinth made out of the new terrain, like the Colosseum terrain, and that was all magnetized as like blocked terrain as well, which was amazing. Like the effort you put in was above and beyond. Yeah, still didn't get the best painted. I know, right? It's like <laughs> we, we had to basically. We should have been Scottish, and then the, then we would have got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, us two foreigners had to show up there and and uh, just take all the wins. So. Oh yeah, it's like um, well, I'm undefeated in Scotland, so I, I guess it makes up for that. <laughs> no, so uh, but but yeah, so actually, right now I only play Underworlds and I only play Blood Bowl Sevens actually because. Uh, uh... Both, both of them, you know, are their half-hour games or an hour and a half match for uh, for Underworlds. Uh, it's and you know, I I certainly like to travel. I travel a lot for work. I've always traveled a lot for rugby, so I like going to uh, the Las Vegas Open. Uh, I, I was going to be going to Adepticon and Gen Con, and uh, man, I would have done anything short of a felony to get to Nova this year for the Grand Masters. So. Yeah, it's it's a shame that didn't happen. But I like because the interesting thing I've gotten into Blood Bowl as well. But I was trying to get um, Blitz Bowl, but yeah. that's only released in America, so it's kind of it's weird. It's like one of those weird things GW do where they make a perfect like bite size quick version of their game, but then lock it to a single territory. It's bizarre. You know, it's funny. My Blitz Bowl season two just arrived. I I had to order that from the Barnes and Noble in the states. Uh, so we got that, but instead of Blitz Bowl, uh, we really do enjoy Blood Bowl Sevens here. So you you just have seven players, six hundred GP, and uh, yeah, it it makes for a fun little game. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, because I find I've like our Blood Bowl community here is really strong. So it's kind of it's weird. You've got like this faction where people either play the GW rules or the the new like the old persistent rules. So it's kind of like 
very difficult to branch out. But I mean, that's the cool thing about Underworlds. Like, the only different thing we have is uh, what do you call it? Different ways. To, it's not different ways to play. It's different formats. There we go. Yes. Because uh, you know you've got the really popular format, championship format, then the the, the nightmare that is relic format, and then the. The, the 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 one in the corner, which is Arena Mortis format, which is just like someone will play me someday. You know, we we actually still enjoy playing uh, with the Drunken Gargant. Ah, yeah, the Drunken Gargant was so like that was so cool. That that uh, like, was a lot of fun, except when uh, playing with uh, my my teammate here, Jesse uh, Pompowski, because uh, what whatever we were doing, he would just immediately beeline for my leader and Nick North Giant. Uh, like the funny thing of like it's the gargant so much fun. I I I wish they released like a new like an official version of the gargant with yeah. like the what do you call it? Not diachasm. It's the um, dreadfane, the dreadfane yeah. event cards. Yeah. I think that would sell so well. I uh, yeah, that that actually is a lot of fun. We we got in a few games of dreadfane uh, when it came out, and you know the the event cards just changed the that round completely. So any any sort of plan that you have, it's uh, like, uh, oh, I think it was Muhammad Ali said, you, you can have any sort of plan until you get punched in the face. And uh, those event cards are the punches to the face every round. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just weird. Like, I, it's, it's bizarre. But, um, but yeah, you start, when did you start playing Underworlds? You started playing with Shadespire, right? Did you play yeah, with the Yeah, I, I was there right at the start. Uh, it, it really looked like everything I would like in a game. Uh, the the big thing that I that really sort of bugged me uh, about Age of Sigmar was that you had to measure everything, and there there was a, a little bit of uh, you know chicanery every time you measured. And yeah, having those tank measure envy. Yeah, and and it makes such a big difference uh, being able to just smoothly go through uh, the movement each yes. each action. And that that made such a big difference, and it it actually attracted quite a few people right off the bat just because of it. Oh yeah, because like the thing is, it's it's it reduces arguments and speeds up time, which is one of the great things about this game. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, like yeah, you've been playing the game for a long time. But the the main reason I wanted you on was to gloat that I won at the Scottish Grand Clash. Final. No, no, no. The real reason I want to talk about. <laughs> was um well running tournaments and events because you know people may go john this is like the worst time you could bring out this ep- episode and you could be argued that's that's completely correct but you know i i pride my content on being usable no matter when you watch it or listen to it but also there's more ways to play so even if you can't play physically at the moment some places can like you know canada's got a pretty good hold of things australia and new zealand are like leading the way they're they're like the promised land in the world of warhammer they have like this mythical thing where they can now shake people's hands and and play against physical people um i'm in the uk of course which is now plague island um so it but then if you can't play physically you've got webcam which i've been championing a lot uh which is a bit difficult to get into like i've done a webcam tournament and i probably will never do another webcam tournament again especially if it's best of free format, but you, you have the webcam option. But then you also have like Vassal, which is hugely popular. So you can run tournaments on Vassal. And then you've got events you can run on Tabletop Simulator as well, because there's there's lots of ways, ways to play online. So even if you wanted to run an event now, 
you can still do so. It's just going to be a bit more difficult. But the the main thing is, I think there's a lot to be gained from running and managing your own tournaments and events for Warhammer Underworlds. Like, how, how do you feel towards that? So it's it's actually funny. I had uh, TO'd a few of the smaller just store events uh, whenever the owner uh, would ask. And the, the big reason that I've been doing a lot of store events, uh, there's... There, there's a belief that I have that if you show up to every every tournament and just take the glass, it's it's just going to keep the sort of semi-casual, might start to look to getting competitive people uh, from actually putting in the investment and getting better. And so what that means is, you know, first off, I actually have very little glass, uh, you know, maybe, maybe one or two uh, for just because that that happened to work out that day but i if it's a if it's at a store level i bring a lot of jank to that and i i'm always happy to help them run it and that way uh more people get get the chance to play those higher level games and you, you wind up getting better competition like i'll i'll put uh you know team alberta or or as we're known as the alberta night vault upper sanctum <laughs> uh, against anyone in the world, uh, you know, and and really that's because myself, uh, Matt, Geary, uh, Dave up in Edmonton, Andrew up there, uh, you know, Aaron, like I, I can I can probably name uh, a good twelve to twenty people that would would get pretty high up in any grand clash uh, that they showed up to, and so. As, as a result of that and the community that, that we've been able to build and because we, we've made connections throughout uh, Canada, uh, we, we felt that we could host a really good Grand Clash as part of uh, the Alberta Classic, which is the, uh, if, I don't know if it's the biggest uh, Canadian tabletop uh, sort of convention and, and tournament organization, but it's very close. Um, and we, you know, we wanted to host the, the first major uh, Grand Clash in Canada. And uh, in order to do that, we had to plan it quite far in advance. And thankfully we did because it, uh, it ended up working out pretty good. So we're quite happy about that. Yeah, because I think one, like the main traps I see when coming to events is it's people either underestimate or overestimate. But the thing they underestimate is planning, like you need to plan so much. Absolutely. Like for me, I've done like tons of uh, smaller store tournaments for London, for my London scene. And then I've done my big one, which was the UK Masters. But the issue you have is like the organization aspect is so huge. It's it's beyond what you can like probably think until you do it. Because like you have to find like, we'll get onto it, but it's like you need to find a venue. You need to make sure you've got players who actually turn up. You need to sort out tickets if you like you're charging for the event. Then you need to find a way how you're gonna like judge it, make enforce the rules. Then also um, how you're gonna make rulings, like tracking scores and doing placements. Because you you can just go, oh, you know what? I'll just use like the online stuff. Uh, I'll like it'll be easy. I'll ask people. They'll they'll tell me they'll come in, and that's all that that needs to be doing. I'll just get away with it. You know, just all start going easily. Uh, but it takes. Unfortunately, a lot of planning, and it can be quite daunting. But I feel if you can put in the work, it does have a good payoff. 
And and that's not even including if Nurgle has sent a pandemic around the world. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it was it was even far it was so difficult even before like the pandemic because <laughs> You will be on like what will shock you is how flaky people can be. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm gonna be there 100. percent You know what? I'm I'm gonna be there just because it's you. And then on the day they just don't turn up. You kind of have to plan around that. So, so I'll give you a really good example of that. Uh, originally, this was actually scheduled for April of 2020, and that was when the Alberta Classic had been scheduled uh, and and was going to host all the major Games Workshop games. Uh, I, I'm sure they had some other uh, games going on there too. I, I'm not really familiar with them, but uh, it it was going to be uh, really a huge event. And one of the one of the nice things we have a, a place in town called the Overstead Gaming Club that puts it on, and they're able to hold about 300 people. Uh, so it's it's just a, a massive massive room. Well, the the problem is the pandemic hits. And in order to keep with Alberta health regulations, every every tournament was then scheduled for a weekend. So uh, Age Age of Sigmar had their weekend. Uh, they they called it Warhammered, and actually had a private <laughs> bar. It, it it was actually pretty cool. They uh, I, Paul Ting who who puts that on every year. He he put in a massive amount of work pulled it off uh really big congrats to him uh because they they had over 50 people there uh the the blood bowl championship that year uh, for some reason i think they had 64 because that's when travel restrictions had started lifting uh, and 64 65 some somewhere around there and uh yeah so it it was just massive so so big congratulations to Lawrence Ashmed for for putting that on uh but yeah so you know we we were able to show uh, and and every table had sanitizer there uh you know there there was no there's no handshakes everybody had to wear a mask full time in order to get that done uh and and instead of having you know the the big convention uh it, it turned into a, a series of weekly tournaments right and and so it, it worked out really well until uh ahs said no you're not allowed to have these anymore and <laughs> yeah, the, it, the it, it, part it, about this uh it was 10 days before we were supposed to wow. have that um so the way that went uh the the then, even with restrictions could could probably have uh a good 100 to 150 people and so what they did was divide up uh, divide up the gaming club into two sections. And they said, yeah, you, you can't mingle with uh, the other group because, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to limit the, the contacts. And with that and with proper social distancing, we were going to be able to get everything done. Well, then AHS comes in and uh, the, you know, our, our venue says, yeah, sorry, we can't host you. Uh, do you want to reschedule? Well, by this point, we have people from across Canada with flights. Wow, that's terrible. It and and what's more, we lost our TO because of it. Because uh, I was I was not supposed to TO this thing, and uh, it, anyone who knows me will will say I, I show up to these to have a few beers and and roll some dice and push around some miniatures. I was not wanting to organize a thing, especially when I wanted to literally be the king of Canada 
and, uh, you know, earn my way to Nova and get a rematch against you. Oh, yeah, because the, the, the key thing about being a TO is creating a tournament and then winning your own tournament. That's, yeah. the, that's the golden rule. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny? When, when we lost our TO and I said, nope, we, we're going to keep going. We're going to get a new venue where I will TO it. People said, no, you, you can TO and play. And I'm like, I don't think that works. Yeah, my, my biggest thing, um, and I know people can do it and I can do it, but if you want a smooth event, you can't TO and play. Like you just you just can't. Cause like the problem I found uh when I was TOing and playing is it's really hard to do rulings. It's really hard to make sure your tournament's running smoothly. It's really hard to remind everyone for time. And you know, you get focused in your own game and then you lose like the pace. Cause you as the TO, you need to control the tempo of the event. You like what I do is I will give people um a half hourly time update so every half hour i'll tell them you know you've got half an hour left on the round you've got an hour left on the round because people won't track time and you don't want people to get lost but it's like it's so easy to get distracted while you're playing and then you get lost up when like oh can i have a ruling please uh, uh let me just finish my uh this this uh round and then i'll, I'll get back to you okay i'm just gonna finish this like, well and, and then what's more uh if it's a ruling that they don't happen to agree with they're they're always got in the back of their mind. Uh, he's just doing that because he didn't want to play me. Oh yeah, and right. the fact is, it looks really bad when a TL wins their own tournament. It just no matter who you are, you could have been like um, like the the a living saint, and then they go, "Well, you still won your own tournament though," and you just have to go, "Yeah." yeah. It, and like the other thing is, especially with deck checking, you can't deck check and then play because absolutely, firstly, you could run your own wrong deck. And then it's just, it's really bad knowing everyone's deck, especially if you're someone like me who can like memorize cards. It's, you're basically going, yeah, um, that deck's legal. Just gonna, yeah, that's fine. Okay, we're playing each other round one. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, um, and, and so, yeah, so what, what we did on the venue side, uh, there's a, there's New Horizons Mall in just outside of Calgary. It's sort of like a, a notebook mall. And they have a farmer's market. And because it was a couple couple weekends before Halloween, uh, they were they were sort of in the middle of switching over to that. So they had some space and they said, you know, we've got a bunch of vendors that would love to sell you lunch. And, you know, I, and we've got the space. You know, I, I gave them an idea of the amount of space that we need. And I want to give uh, Matt Penner a, a lot of credit for this because he, he actually put in uh, sort of the, the initial cold calls uh, in order to help us get this venue. And uh, so it, it worked out for everybody. I, I was really happy that everybody who, who came, uh, you know, I, I'm big on supporting local. Uh, yeah. I always have been. And so it was really cool to, to try some stuff for lunch that, that I normally wouldn't because we had uh, a lot of international foods there. And, uh, you know, the and the, the farmer's market themselves, they were super cool. They they wound up uh, putting in door, door prizes, like completely unasked. Oh, wow. Um, that's amazing. And in, in the mall itself, uh, and, and we didn't know this, by the way, but uh, there was actually a, a little game store, this old game. Uh, board games and they had a, a bit of a games workshop range like ju just a small one just a bit of a setup and uh once they found out i, I think uh, 
uh, a few of the guys went up and at least bought a painter. I, I know someone bought a Grimwatch because he had forgotten a card back in Ontario. And, uh, and he just wanted to be on Meta. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he wound up buying that. So it, it was really cool to, to see the, you know, the the tournament support the, the vendors because they, and they gave us that site for free. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah, we we didn't have to pay anything for it, so so we made sure to, uh, you know that uh, the the shops that were putting up with us there uh, were were supported through it. Yeah, because one thing to remember, which I forgot, was like, yeah, you need to make sure food as well as toilets are like available, especially if you're doing a physical event. I was lucky because where I play and host my tournaments in London, it's the Bad Moon Cafe, so they supply food but it's also like a supermarket next door and it's got inbuilt toilets. But you have to like remember that because occasionally people do need to go to the toilet as well as eat and drink. And especially like everyone has really diverse dietary needs. As a TO, you need to keep that in mind. So it's a good thing to scan the area in. So that's why it's generally preferable to do something local because you know, you'll be supporting your local scene, not just in terms of the gaming side, but as well as local businesses, which is hugely important. And you can give a better feel because it's just going like, uh, even if it's just supermarkets, you go like that supermarket's there. If you go a bit further down, there's a better one with like more diverse food options. That's another thing a TL needs to keep in mind because you have to remember it's not just the game. It's you need to look after the players as well. And then, you know, you've got like health and safety stuff, but that will vary on the country and the location. Generally, if you're doing it in an event, like in a building that's already been used, that should be covered. But it's something you need to keep in mind because let's say something does go on fire or I don't know, if someone gets shot. I mean, it could happen. And you know what, what's more, you, you need the closest pub. You need to know where that is. Uh, everybody should immediately check your surroundings or, or, you know, better, better yet, make sure your event is licensed. Yes. A hundred percent. Don't go to like, you know, don't you make shed or even like just Make sure, it's really important to make sure it's official. Like the problem is these can rack up in terms of costs, but the thing is, if something goes wrong, um, it's not just yourself you're putting in harm, it's everyone at your event. So you need to keep this in mind. It's it's unfortunate, but you know, we've got to do everything to keep everyone safe because you want to do this event again and you want to make sure everyone leaves the event alive and intact. <laughs> Well, and, and you know what, especially with the pandemic going around, uh, oh, yeah. we, we were, we were pretty stringent on our, on our safety procedures, uh, and, and all of the Alberta classic events were, and we're, we're quite proud of that, uh, throughout, cause uh, eventually they were able to get through the entire game series, uh, that wanted to get done. Uh, uh -huh. there, there were no, there were no infections, no, no outbreaks, uh, that, and, and we're going to wear that feather in our cap for, for a while. No, yeah, that's great. Because like one of the things like your event, that Grand Clash was amazing in terms of like social distancing and following proper precautions. Because especially if you're in a place where you can do physical events now, you know, you'd have to keep in mind masks, no touching. The One of the more complex things is cutting decks. So you need to clearly tell to the players um, because there was an incident of cheating at an Italian tournament where the cheater who won the tournament <laughs> and then got disqualified was abusing social distancing rules by cutting his deck when his opponent was cutting their own deck and he was stacking his deck. So he wasn't really cutting it. So you just need to be like, especially in these times you have to go when you're cutting your deck, you ask your opponent how you'd like to, they, how they would like you to cut your deck. You would do it and then ask, are you happy with that? Because 
cheating is always something you have to watch out as a TO. And I've done like multiple stuff on how to catch out cheats. But as a TO, you need to make sure that's clear, especially with a social distance tournament, because it's a little bit more difficult, but it's been proven to be exploited. So you have to keep your eyes on that. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And, you know, it, it was too bad. At, at one point, uh, there, was a, there was a player, and he, he actually came in from out of town, and he had mentioned to me that uh, one of his opponents, you know, had not, not out and out, but uh, was, was definitely attempting to take advantage of the rules or, or say, hey, I think things work that way. And, you know, I, I, would, have, I would have felt pretty bad for, for everybody if it had gone on. So I, I spent quite a bit of time uh, just watching a, a certain set of games. Uh, yes, and and I'm glad that I did because you know it. Uh, at one point, I I even had to issue a, a warning on that, and that's not something that I like doing by by any means. But you know you you have to enforce the rules on there. Uh, one of the one of the big ways that I always made sure of it because I I think I know the the rules pretty well, uh, but I'm certainly not perfect. And let's face it, my my memory is not. Uh, Say your memory or or anyone else's that that's gone to the uh, Adidic, Adidic, yeah, 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 memory. <laughs> but uh, and so I, I really had a, a way of rulings by council instead of rulings by fiat. Uh, so if if I uh, was not one hundred percent sure of how a rule was, uh, I had a couple guys that that were available that I knew knew the rules you know better than I did that I could turn to and even then afterwards I would still I would still look it up. Uh, yeah, I think that's an important thing to ever came up again because saying something's one thing, but uh reading something is a whole other bit. Yeah, because when it comes to rulings, I, I'm well I was in a lucky position where I know all the rulings. Like even in general I, I keep up to date, but I know the future rulings as well. Um but that's why events I try and like, it's important to remember this rule. It's, it's the, the TO is the word of God. So <laughs> as long as you can prove it, like if the TO, unless the TO is like factually wrong and you've got written evidence that can prove them, you have to live with what they say. And as a TO, it's helpful in advance. Like what I like to do is if I feel there's going to be a lot of rulings that are like, you know, up in the air until there's an official FAQ, I will either in advance ask people what those are, what they feel is like up in the air. I will clarify them in advance. And it's just, you will get players who will disagree with you, but you have to go, are you confident with the rulings you're giving? And like, you know, as you said, Derek, is there someone you can refer to who can, like you can go to advice if you're confused about certain rulings? Because the worst thing is you will get people who will ch like constantly call the judge and like call for rulings there was stuff like with loaded with plunder, where because it didn't specify out of like you needed surviving fighters. Like someone at one of my tournaments tried to argue, they could go like, "Oh, uh, Ripper's out of action, but he's got free upgrades, so I still loaded with plunder." And I'm like, "Nope." And he's like, "Why?" It's like, you know, because uh, they're out of action, so they no longer play any part of the game. It's like it's not written in the rules. It's like, yeah, but I'm on the TO, and that's all you need to say, really. Like well, they can keep arguing, but as long as you're not physically breaking the rules. Uh, but even then, you're the TO, so people do need to go by what you say. Well, and, and you're you're right. And to to that point about uh, three four days before, uh, you know, after we had gotten everything settled and I knew that I'd be running the thing, I put up uh, a, a post on our Facebook 
saying these are the rulings that I think I'm going to have to make. This is how I'm going to rule it. If you have anything that you're unsure of, or if you want to clarify something, put it here uh, or send me a message and I will post it in case you have something sneaky. Uh, but what I wanted was for everybody to know how I was going to rule things uh, right up front so that it didn't become an issue, especially anything that, that wasn't you know hard, hard written in stone there. Uh, the, the one thing that I noticed that I did that was sort of counter to how other people have, have run them was on the day two pairing. So after the cut, uh, the, the way that I read the, uh, the pairings was that it's random at each round. And at the start of, of uh, that paragraph, it says that day two is a separate day from day one. So I did not feel that even if you played the guy on day one, that should mean that you're not playing them on day two. Now, I understand that lots of people disagree with me on that interpretation, uh, but I, I felt that that's what the rules were as written, and I couldn't find anything to contrast that besides, oh, this is how this guy, this guy, this guy did it. And I'm like, well, those guys are overseas, and you know, if they want to come up and say something to me, they can. But uh, you know, I, I decided that's that's how we were going to do things, and everybody was fine with it because I said so up front. Yeah, the worst thing is doing it on the day because that's especially if people go in with like um, their pre-planned image in their head. Mm -hmm catching them out at the last minute even if what you're doing is entirely correct is still unfair on the player yeah and that's why i feel like giving like a two-week window even in advance is just really helpful because then players go okay this is how this is going um because yeah you just want the event to be one with clarity and no like gotcha moments but like the funny thing with the day two format of the grand clash is i think it's been played differently every time in day two because the wording is not it's not it <laughs> make sense so when we first played it day two like so we'll get on to steve wren he's an amazing guy but when we read it with him it was like so day two he couldn't make like it was like was day two a sec a separate tournament or a continuation and we played it as a separate tournament because if we played it as a continuation it basically meant if you barely scraped into top 16 you would never make it to the final because people on who are undefeated could lose a game and still make it into the final so we did it as like it's a, a new tournament and it's like knockout stuff right but then we found out that was wrong um <laughs> like i think the current version is now on day two it's a new tournament it was supposed to be continuation but now it's played as a new tournament it's knockout it wasn't supposed to be knockout but as in like if you lose you're locked into that bracket so if you like win the first round uh so you go from top 16 to top eight you're locked into top eight prizes mm -hmm. but you're not supposed to play anyone you played in the in the first round of day two, you're not supposed to play anyone you played the day before, but you can play them after. Um, but then when I was at the latest one, which was like a year ago, they were not letting people play each other until it was the final where they couldn't be avoided. So it's like, there's a lot of interpretations, but you just have to make it clear. Yeah. That, that's the key thing I'm getting at. Absolutely. But um, so we like, we've covered approaching like a venue pairings like enforcing rulings and stuff and i think a good thing we need to touch on is ensuring attendees so the thing is you're going to have people drop out no matter who they are they could be your brother you know they, your lifelong friend they, what someone's going to drop out if, even who are, no matter how close they are and the difficult thing is trying to ensure attendance so you kind of have to be able to plan for losses like people dropping 
So, you know, if you've if you're a big enough event, you can generally get like spare players. The GW events do this because they've got staff, they pay to do that. Um, you have to remember how to play around buys as like worst case scenario, unfortunately, someone's just gonna have a buy round. It sucks, but you're sometimes in a position where you can't fill out the pairings. But even ignoring like odd numbers or people dropping. The best way I find way to get attendance is promote your event in advance, promote it regularly, like monthly or bi-weekly, and also try and ensure like a nice bonus incentive. So what the way how I made it work in London was we had people who just turn up on the day. And while that was fine, it was a nightmare for logistics because you need, as a TO, you need to know how many people are coming to your event so you can plan out table spaces and stuff. So the biggest, the best tip I can give is um, you either do a, what do you call it? Like, um, you say like, you have to buy tickets like a month before the event. Once it's been a month, you can't buy any tickets. So you need to buy them in advance or you do a, a better thing. Well, I mean, another thing, which is like, you charge more on the day and cheaper in advance. So the way I did it, I think it was 10 pounds on the day and then 12 pound 50, no 10 pounds in advance and 12 pound 50 on the day. So that, once I did that, basically everyone paid in advance. And then you just need to get like confirmation, contact details, generally an email or like if you have them on social media or like a number, that's just it. But you need to like chase them up and make them to conf get their confirmation. Because once people get money involved, they usually ensure they turn up. So it's funny. Uh, that's exactly how I felt uh, when we wanted to organize it for April. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to, we, and we were only charging uh, 10 bucks per day. Because some people could only make it the Saturday, some people could only make it the Sunday. And so we did separate it out. And the $10, that's what, like five five pounds in, uh, in Euro money. But uh, in what, what we did was make it so that you at least had to put something in. Uh, and, and we were able to get a pretty good idea of how many people were going to come. Along with that, especially if someone's taking a flight across Canada or if they're doing the the road trip, uh, and, and I've got a funny story about that, but uh, the the team from uh, oh Day Night Games in Ontario, they had five people on a flight that made it over, and so that that was awesome. And I I want to I want to give those guys a lot of credit. They're from London, Ontario. And uh, they were they were awesome. We we really appreciate them coming. Um, but what was interesting was there was another team of five that was uh, doing a road trip from Vancouver, which is on the the west coast of Canada. And uh, we had a big snowstorm uh, a few days before, and they would have had to cross the Rockies in order to make it to us. And so at the last minute, uh, they bailed out. So <laughs> you know, there's. Uh, we we really weren't too worried about attendance for it because uh, at the end of the day we we knew that people had committed to coming, uh, so we we wanted to make sure that that we host them as well as we possibly could, yeah. And so we we were really happy with that. Uh, and then when it came to our local group, you're you're right. There's going to be guys that that bow out for whatever reason, and. You know that's that's just par for the course. Uh, you're you're always going to have that issue. Uh, what what I was really happy about was we we had such a strong community. We had a lot of people come out, 
just for the the sake of hey I, I want to I want to come uh, again in a few games hey it's the it's the Canadian championship no no one else has been able to do this in the country it sounds a lot of fun some people came because they they knew uh, there were going to be some some really cool prizes available and then we we had probably a dozen people show up just because they they were vying for that best painted award uh our our hobby community was top notch that day we were really proud painters of that. are our monsters they are so uh you know and and it was funny we we had uh actually my girlfriend megan and then matt pender's girl, uh wife alex uh they they both came with uh their war bands that they were very proud uh to have put together and uh you know they they played each other and you know they're, they're they both know the rules and they they both do pretty well and it, it's actually funny because i think the last time that i played matt's wife alex she actually beat me uh and so they they certainly know what they're doing but you know they they came with the obviously prettiest models that uh that have ever uh graced the table so yeah because it's like um, a good thing that happens is the effect, as in the effect of the tournament on your local scene, especially if you're doing a local event, because what I find is even if your event, you know, doesn't get huge numbers, like, you know, it gets enough to have the tournament, but well, I don't know, you were expecting 24 and you got like 16, which is still really good. The thing I find is even if you have a small tournament, it kind of really benefits your scene as a whole because my first tournament had about like 12 players but then when people realized there was going to be like regular monthly well regular london tournaments all of a sudden attendance uh, started getting more and more each successive tournament um and then even then just in general like our weekly london gaming nights more people started turning up because now they realized there was more ways to play instead of just the the weekly london gaming night we have so there's this like other beneficial effects of having tournaments. Not only do you get to attract all these players, you get to give more people reasons to play, and that will have a more net beneficial effect for your community as a whole. Very much so, yeah. And you know, it it was it was actually really cool for that. So we've I, I've gotten messages quite a bit since then saying, you know, when when we open up, are we going to be able to have a tournament again? I, I know uh, Andrew Vandero, who who placed second at uh, the Alberta Classic. Uh, he, you know, I, I think he's chomping at the bit to, to organize the next major tournament up in Edmonton. So, uh, you know, him him and his Edmonton team, they, they put in such a good showing down here that I, I think he will need to really worry about a Calgary invasion coming up there uh, as soon as he gets that done. Yeah, because you have this, like tournaments can be very infectious in like a good way. You've got all this hobby and gaming energy that will just spill over. So even like it will just start sparking things and causing new things to happen. That's what one beneficial effect of a tournament, which I think a lot of people overlook or don't realize. Because yeah, the beneficial effect it has on everyone who attends. Because you get things like, uh, for example, when I was going to the Scotland Grand Clashes, the first time I was like, oh, you know, it took me like, five no 12 hours to get there and i was like i don't know if i'll do this again had a really good time they ran it so smoothly it was like amazing i was like i'm always coming back now and is that kind of, and it also encouraged me to go you know what i think i'm going to start running my own tournaments as well just to give back but also you know help grow my own scene and hopefully get a more established like grand clash in london as well so it's that kind of infectious energy which is a really good beneficial 
a side effect from having tournaments, in my opinion. Well, and then who who was the gentleman that ran the Underworlds one? Oh, um, it, his name's John. I have him on Twitter. Yeah. He's a, he's an amazing guy because yeah, they're like he's he a Warhammer really hero. So when when I was uh, getting out there, and and I was in Scotland uh, for work, but I I was sort of able to time it right that I was able to attend that. And I messaged back and forth uh, between John and I, I believe his brother and found out that they're involved in the, uh, the local rugby team there. And oh. so I, I brought my club jersey and we, we actually exchanged jerseys uh, while oh. we were there. Oh, that's so sweet. After crushing all those nerds, except me, he did, he did, he did, he did some nice, <laughs> nice rugby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, you're a little high on yourself now, aren't you? There, Jeez. Oh yeah, you know my. I'm very modest. <laughs> you're you're uh, the best at modesty. Oh yes, you know. Uh, I'm I'm so good. You know, uh, I, I bet that doesn't rub anyone the wrong way either. Oh yeah, I've 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 never got any sort of hate mail or death threats. Never, you know. Everyone's just, you know, no one's gone up to my friends and told me this guy he's. He's a well, he's a really nice guy, you know. That's just the kind of yeah. things I, I always hear. Um, <laughs> but um, let's see. Yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, the the beneficial effects of having tournaments. But then you also have obviously that was all in jest. I have to I have to clarify that was in jest. Some people literally <laughs> don't get this. I generally get hate mail over this because people think I'm just looking down on everyone. It is a joke. Just clarifying. Um, Managing scale. Now, this depends on your event. And what I mean by scale is not how big your ego is, but how big the event will be. So obviously, when you're doing like a... If you're doing like a... Like the way you can do tournaments is you can do like your club tournament. So where you meet up and play, you could go, oh, you know what, guys and gals? Uh, this week or like at the end of the month, you know, we always play for a few hours. Why don't we just do a quick best of one tournament, three rounds? You know, we should be able to fly through that. Then you've got like your local tournaments where you could run at your local gaming store, which is always a great place to run tournaments at. You could go, or if you're running a bigger event like Derek has at a Grand Clash, you need to keep in mind the scale. Uh, and that kind of overlaps with like everything we've already mentioned. But it's really important. You need to manage the scale of your event. And the biggest thing I can say with that is if you're doing a big event, you've got you're, like no matter how big your event is, you need to see how much help you're going to need because. You can't run a tournament just by yourself, especially like a big grand clash. You're going to need some kind of support network to keep you going. Like at my store tournaments that I was running, uh, the people who uh, own and work at Bad Moon, they were helping me. They like provided me with a laptop to use. Uh, you know, they would give me free food and drink to keep me happy because, you know, otherwise my just get really angry and start bragging to everyone. But, it's, you know, you need people to support you to make sure you're running the event really well. Well, and so I, I want to touch on that with a couple of things. The, the first off was when we had initially organized it, uh, I was able to reach out to a gentleman at Games Workshop. And the, the first gentleman who I was in contact with, he, he wasn't returning emails at all. He wasn't even acknowledging that we were doing prize support. He had sort of offered that maybe you could do a, a skirmish. And, you know, uh, a little bit after that, uh, I, I was handed off to, to another gentleman because, you know, I, I definitely was, was on Games Workshop's case because we wanted to get the prize support for it. We really wanted to have the first official Grand Clash. And 
I, I got to tell you, thankfully, the, the first gentleman that I came in contact with, he passed me off to another guy, and the guy's name is Steve Wren. And I got to tell you, Steve was so responsive. He was so incredibly supportive. Uh, I don't think this would have happened without him. And so I, I really want to give uh, Steve a shout out at Game Workshop. Uh, when, you know, he, he sort of set the parameters of, hey, if you can get, uh, you know, 50, 60 people, we'll, we'll let you have a, an official Grand Clash. Well, we we sold our tickets through Eventbrite, which is a, you know, a ticket management system. And uh, we were able to show Steve back in January. So we still had about three, four months to go that we we had 63 entrants in in January. So it. You know, this this was going to be something that was really going to pop off. And so Steve, to his credit, he, he got us uh, our Grand Clash trophy, and it was actually engraved with Alberta Classic uh, 2020. And that that was so cool when when I first opened that box and saw that uh, that that was something that we really appreciated. So that that trophy, it's on uh, Matt Pender's uh, shelf now. Uh, and I, I know his kids like to like to look up at the big glass that he's got up there, but uh, that that was really something that made it. So you know, having having that sort of scale uh, was big, and then along with that, because it's Canada is so so spread out, uh, making sure that people people knew where the event was, uh, especially because we had had the venue change right at the last minute there. Uh, where it was in relation to Airbnbs, uh, that prize support, of course, and uh, making sure that that we had the space and the safety all taken care of was just such a such a big part of it. Yeah, because like, um, well, Steve is an amazing guy. He's like, literally, he has kept the events team alive. He he's an amazing dude. Like, if you ever meet him at a tournament, you will have the best time. He's such a cool dude. He's got such a level head. He like he is just amazing. I cannot, I cannot praise him enough. He is such an awesome dude. But um, I think with with the scale thing, that's really important as well as telling people in advance. Because especially, I don't know how Games Workshop are doing it now because you know they've basically they're not going to do organized play kits for a while. But if you want to get a Grand Clash, well, before you need to drive up support, and it's an important thing to go to your local scene. You know. Go. We. I want to run a Grand Clash here because then we can get more prizes, and you know, everyone. It gives us a chance of winning. You know, you know, having a Grand Clash near us and stuff. And then, like what you did, you did a really good job of promoting it online internationally to get enough people. And that's what you kind of have to do as a TO if you want a bigger event. You need to like the bigger your event is, the more work you need to do to promote. So, for example, I promote my London tournament in the main groups as well as the London group, just because I know there's people who when it was safe to like to travel down into London to play games, you know, it's something you need to keep in mind about how big you want it because yeah, the bigger it is, you're going to, especially for a grand clash to get that kind of prize support, which we'll touch on soon. You need to do more work in terms of promotion because you know, games workshop would want you to go like, I they keep changing it, but it's like, I think they wanted like 64 players for a grand clash. And then once you've got that proof, they will just unload it for you. Well, so it, 
And you know what? I, I really want to thank uh, really all the podcast community. Uh, I mean, Amon and JD over at Path to Glory, they were plugging us. Uh, Max and Randall at Battle for Salvation, they were. I know that you were. Uh, you know, I, I believe that. Oh, yeah, Michael Carlin even bought a ticket. I, I, I don't know if he was going to come or not. but uh, Oh, I think he was, yeah. I yeah, think he yeah, I, I think he, he was coming. So. Boy, and that would have been awesome. Uh, I know Steve Van from Call It Shadespire bought a ticket. He was planning on coming up. Uh, the the best though, uh, Amon was so he's in Texas, which is only about a four hour flight, which uh, you know is is pretty easy to do. So the the plan was he was going to get around the COVID rules by coming to visit a, a family member in Canada. Uh, oh. the quarantine and then come over and we were going to walk in like uh you know we were just going into prom and to you know and, and i'd have a celebrity on my arm there you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know unfortunately it didn't work out it, it didn't work out for for anyone that wanted to come internationally so you know we in, in january we had you know 63 people i think we were probably going to have close to 80 uh once uh once everything was all told uh, we we ended up with 29, which I I was really happy with. Uh, you know, Alberta Health uh, wouldn't have let us have any more than 30 as well. Yes. Uh, so we, you know, like I said, safety and, and following regulations was was paramount for us on on everything to make sure it was going. And so I I had once uh, once we figured out what our cap was, what we could do. Uh, I, I was very clear with everybody that uh, was still trying to figure it out that, hey, this is, you know, this is our hard cap. And you know what, if, uh, if, if you can't make it fine, but you need to let us know because we're getting up to that point that we might have to turn people away. Yeah, because I think um, that's an important point to remember. If you want a big event, like even if it's safe to do physical events where you are, you have to, you're probably going to be capped uh, because you'll, you'll have people who want to play, but you'll be limited by what's safe to do. And you really need to follow regulations. That's the important thing because you don't want people getting sick and dying at your Well, not dying at your event. I mean, it could happen. But yeah, <laughs> that's another thing with scale you have to keep in mind. It sucks at the moment. It really does. But when you, if you're in a place where you can play physically, you know, you're in a lucky place. So you, you just have to go what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I think... Um, Outside of scale, you've also got prize support because it's probably one of the most important things for Warhammer Underworlds events because once they started making glass trophies, people would do anything for them. Some people even <laughs> sold and bought them. But prize support isn't a crucial thing to, to tournaments, really, because unfortunately, if you've got no prizes, generally people won't come. So, like, as he said, Steve kind of did... Well, once you got all the proof in, Steve managed to get some amazing prize support for you. Did you get any custom stuff? Uh, no, you know what? We didn't. And, and the big reason for that, uh, there, there are a couple pretty large tournaments in Alberta here uh, that do custom stuff. Mm. And so we, we didn't want to do that. I'll, I'll give you a really good one. Uh, Andrew Vandero had run a winter tournament. I, I think he called it Freeze Your Glass Off. And him and David Lancaster from Edmonton uh, they they've done so much work to build that community there that uh, so so Edmonton and Calgary are sort of rivals in our province and we we have the Battle of Alberta periodically and we we really enjoyed it. These are a couple guys that 
uh, you know, have, have definitely put in as much work as me or Matt or, or Aaron or Jesse in, in Calgary have to build up the community. They've done the same thing there. And, and so I can't say enough good things about them. But uh, when, when they do their tournaments, uh, they go out and they, they had uh, custom acrylic glory tokens, uh, which, were, which were really cool. And uh, I, if I recall correctly, I, I believe they had some custom, um, what do they call it, uh, feature tokens. And then in Calgary here, uh, we even have a gentleman that makes uh, neoprene uh, boards for Blood Bowl and Shakespeare. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. So, so those were really cool. So because the the Grand Clash had a a, a lot of a lot of the official prize support, and because the the other tournaments really are their babies, uh, I really I really wanted to encourage that. Hey, you're not going to get anything. Uh, that you can get at at the other tournaments, you got to go to the other tournaments to get yeah. all this cool swag. Okay. And and one of the best parts about it was that everybody who who ran their own tournaments and had their their own cool swag, they brought it and and played with it. Uh, so everybody could see some some just some really neat tokens. And I realize it's it's just little acrylic or little plastic stuff, but boy, like people people love that, and and I love that. You know? Oh yeah, it's like I call it the acrylic bug. It just yeah. you go and it's like it's so smooth yet hard and shiny. I just can't. <laughs> it's so beautiful to my eyes. Absolutely. Uh, but like, um, you need to see like the the good thing if you've got a GW support event. Like, like, well, I mean, prizes usually are covered there. Like, but there's always room to make your own. Like, for example, for uh, when I was doing store tournaments, I would always give a prize for most sporting player. And best well best painted was already covered in the kit now but most sporting player um i'd get people to vote and then i think i gave them like my 20 pound store credit because i refused to take I, I refused to be paid so um i gave away my 20 pound store credit to whoever got like most sporting sure. those are like simple things you can do for my custom tournament uh so when i did the underworld uk masters i did tons of custom prize support so what was it? i did uh, acrylic glory for the top two players, uh, a trophy for best painted winner, a trophy for most sporting. Everyone got like custom. I made, I got um, a good company to make custom acrylic stuff. So they're called Kogo 2 in the UK based in Manchester. So I got them to make acrylic dog tags for everyone, acrylic activation tokens, all themed by crits, you know. Uh, and it was just, so everyone went home with something. And even though it wasn't a lot, you know, it was just to give back. So, because like the thing is, the more you give prize support, people will feel better after your tournament and they're more likely to come again. And it's not a necessary thing because the difficulty with some tournaments, you can't, like especially if you're doing online tournaments. But if you can do physical tournaments, or even if you've got a small limited tournament, if you can't get official prize support, doing your own or getting a company to make your own, or like even if you go, like you've got companies that make third party like acrylic stuff, you can just happily pop a message, go like, I'd like to buy some, or I'm running an event. Could I buy some? Like, would you be able to offer some at a discount? Like generally stores would be really happy to do that. Yeah. And, so and, you know, up, up here, especially when we had Beastgrave, uh, there's a, there's a Viking uh, paraphernalia store. So we, we had a uh, Beastgrave drinking horn. 
uh, <laughs> at one point or even a, or even a custom mug uh, at some point. So, you know, get, get creative. Honestly, if, if there's a prize out there, uh, people are going to love it. Uh, and yeah, that's, it, it's funny. I mean, people play for, for a lot of reasons, but everybody likes uh, taking on something, something new. Well, cause this is the funny thing. So at games workshop, Warhammer world, where they do their Bugman's tournaments, they stopped doing trophies and they've replaced trophies with a engraved glass tankard. So it made me want to win there even more because now if you win one of the Bogman clashes when they were allowed to, you would get this massive glass beer tankard that said uh, Warhammer Underworld's store champion. You know, it's just like... I'm never going to try harder to win anything than I am to get that tankard. I know, right? Because I, I was oh. like, because Jay messaged me after he got it. I was like, hey, you haven't got this? And I was like, oh, I want to drink it with all your tears. I need, oh, I need this. Because at the moment, all you can use the current trophies for are just weapons. Like, they're really good at fighting <laughs> people. Oh, no, like, generally, they're quite sharp. They're quite sturdy. The, the base may snap, but, you know, if you stab someone with it, not that I'm saying you should, you could, though. It would be very good as a defensive weapon. Well, as you need to remember the last game of Clue that I played, it was Captain Murder in the library with the Shadespire trophy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they'll go, you would go, it's practical <laughs> and efficient, you know? Yeah. It, it's something that's really overlooked. I mean, you can also double glaze, but, you know, you need a lot, a lot of trophies for that. <laughs> but, you know, there's like interesting ways. I think I know someone else did a really interesting thing outside of the tankard. Um, I mean, you could spitballing, make a glass spear. I would not advise that, but you could make, well, you, actually a glass dagger. Okay, let's turn away from weapons, but you could make a nice prize. Um, Like I've got a metal, like, I don't, like a stamp. It's kind of like someone got the Underworld logo and then like made a print, a metal print. That's a cool thing for a trophy. Like, you know, even if it's just something for the winner, there's always, like there, there's no limit. You don't have to just stick with glass trophies. Absolutely. But then, like with prize support, another good thing to mention is just how you can play at tournaments at the moment. So we've we've covered pretty much what you have to do if you're playing physically at the moment. It's basically if you're in Canada, China, and then Australia and New Zealand. So, you know, you, you've got to follow your local guidelines or whatever they say. But if you want to play online and run your own, own, own online tournaments, then I think the biggest one is Vassal. So Vassal do their own, I don't think it's monthly anymore. It's like... Two monthly or something? It, even the, it could be bi-monthly. They also do a Thursday community skirmish. Yeah, which one is, day like skirmish tournament. Yeah, and and you know what? I, I play a lot on Vassal. Uh, Shuby uh, has done so much work there. the the current uh, The current league is actually being run by uh, Dave Lancaster, who's a buddy of mine. Uh, and yeah, they're the the people that that have needed to put in the work to make that run have definitely put in the work to it. So uh, do do come on Vassal anytime. You'll, you won't regret it till it's worth it to get in the extra games. Yeah, they've done amazing work, like especially Shuby, because without Vassal, I'm pretty sure Underworlds would be dead right now. Yeah. But like, even then, so you, you can't stream and like record your, well, yeah, you can't stream and post your, your videos on for your games on Vassal. But a cool thing is it's still free to use as like tournaments. So I know some people have been using Vassal as a way to run tournaments. Um, but like the biggest example is Shuby and the Vassal Clashes. I believe they're bi-monthly now, but you know, they'll be all registered online. They use like BCP. So, you know, you've got multiple ways to track like, well, 
I'll cover it after this, but it's like how you should score your tournament because that's a very subjective thing, mm-hmm. especially with me. But, you know, Vassal is a great way to run and play tournaments. It's really safe. And the greatest thing is really easy for international access because it's free. You have to remember it's it's not a replacement for the main game. It's in support. That's a key thing I need to uh, clarify, you know, just in case anyone who's a really expensive lawyer is listening. So it's in support, not in replacement. But, well, and and I, I, I need to really exemplify that. I, I realize you're being a little tongue-in-cheek there, but uh, the the guys from our meta that are playing on Vassal are, are doing it so that we can keep our skills sharp. Because uh, yeah. after all, Mithril sharpens Mithril. If, exactly. if you want to win your local meta, play on Vassal so that you can play against some of the best and uh, you're, you're going to learn an immense amount every game. Yeah, like a common phrase I'm known for saying is, the harder you play, the harder you get. And it's really something you need to maintain and keep up. But apart from innuendos, there's, uh, yeah, but yeah, a lot of people play Vassal just to say good. I mean, I know the Italian scene as well as the Spanish people, they run a lot of tournaments on Vassal. And that's just one aspect. You've got Tabletop Simulator. I know people have been running leagues on there. It's a bit difficult because, well, you need that, like, it's quite, it can be intensive on the PC, but Tabletop Simulator is an option as well. And then you've also got Warhammer Underworlds Online if you're really desperate. No, no, I'm, like you can use Warhammer Underworlds Online. I know a lot of people run tournaments on that. But those are options you can do now. And then there's webcam. Like a, a, the really important thing to spend. Um, so webcam can be quite intensive, like even if you're using your phone, because the problem is you need a lot of setup. But it's a really great way to play if you want to play physically again. And there's a monthly webcam tournament hosted by... Uh, van and he runs it no val sorry and he runs it every um every month and it's the straight out shades fire tournament i'll link it in the episode description but that's a really cool way if you want to play as well but webcamming is a great way to do events you just have to remember it is very intensive you need to find like a way for everyone to play and communicate like especially when you're doing zoom you need to remember zoom will kick everyone off after 40 minutes so you need a paid account happened to me i mean i did the underworld uk masters via webcam because i couldn't do it physically and it is an option you just have to remember it takes a lot of work and then it will take more time for setup because you know and you need to make sure everyone's setup is working because the worst case scenario is you get people going oh yeah i'll play your tournament for the webcam and then they turn up on the day and they go oh yeah i actually don't have an internet connection that could run this <laughs> I could, like, stream or my camera doesn't work or like it works but you're watching like this incredibly pixelated blurry image so that's that's important thing to clarify so um, so it's funny when uh you know and and this is great but when we do get to uh the in-person gaming uh you know don't don't hesitate to run a tournament even even if uh you haven't done it before uh it, it's funny because the the guys that came in from out of town uh jo- josh was actually the the one who who had sent me a message he's like yeah, are, are some of you guys up for doing a Team Alliance game uh, and maybe grabbing some beers after? And, you know, it obviously didn't know me very well because I'm always up for beers. But uh, we we got to hang out with, you know, people that, that we'd never played with before. And, and we've kept in touch uh, with everybody since then. And one of the things that came out of our Grand Clash was we, we set up a message group uh, throughout Canada. So, so sort of the the 
uh, top players, whether whether they're tops, uh, you know, in, in actual competitiveness or in the hobby or just in organizing, in order to try and build a, a bit of a Canadian network. Uh, it's the, the Canadian League of First Tier Shadespire. Uh, for, for anyone that wants to figure out that one, but uh, you know, and and along with that, we were able to uh, really create a, a larger community, uh, yep. which which I saw as the biggest result. It, it was actually funny because ours uh, our grand clash was the same weekend as that Italian grand skirmish. So oh. you know, if if we want to you know keep with the international stereotypes, uh, the Italian grand skirmish happens and. You know that then it turns out the mafia might have gotten involved because they they rigged the the game at the end, whereas uh, a whole bunch of Canadians decided that we're going to be best friends forever. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, and like you you had a nice friendly meta where like the aggro won, like the wolves. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, what? Well, and that's actually funny. We uh, I call it the Alberta aggro advantage. Uh, the Alberta advantage has, has sort of been the the big calling card of uh, Alberta to try and get businesses. Uh, to, to invest in this area so the the, the triple a or, or the alberta agro has uh really really been something that's shaped our meta uh which is which has always been funny for it but uh i i know i mentioned this before but uh, i'd like to reiterate just how much the the painting and the hobby uh was so big at at this tournament uh you know, and when we were in Scotland, uh, there was you, me, uh, and I would say probably a, a few other like really good level painters. I remember the guy that that actually had LED lights and his ghosts. Oh yeah, and we can't forget uh, Mike Carlin. His yeah. pa- his painting skills are so good; it just <laughs> looks like bare plastic. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, it's, it's so realistic; just blows well, my mind. To to give you an idea in comparison. Uh, out of you know the 30 or so people at our grand clash at least a dozen if not a full half had come with display boards uh wow. there, there are a lot of people hunting for that best painted trophy uh you know there there was uh actually greg had come in with his uh all of his uh skeletons uh had conversions on them and then he had the display base along with uh beast grave and night night vault terrain and that was really cool. Uh, Amanda flew in from Ontario with her her night haunt uh, that was in a cool lantern that you could carry, uh, which which was amazing. Uh, Alex uh, Alex Penner she she had just these beautifully uh, uh, blended uh, Mornflight. Uh, along with a, a display base, uh, and then and then Kian also from Ontario, he came in. He had he had done more Gox crushes, but these were all just converted from uh, from scratch. Uh, and then Dave Dave, Dave uh, from Edmonton, he had his Nurgle with his base, like yeah, you know. And and it's funny. This is what I remember. I remember how beautiful these warbands were. <laughs> yeah, because you, know? you like I don't think some people realize, but. It may be like you have a lot of people fighting out for first place, but the people fighting out for best painted make us look like civilized, <laughs> peaceful gentlemen. Like it's you you don't know how far these people will go. Like it's they oh, they're yeah. incredibly dedicated. And, and and they really were. So so Steve Hall, uh he he wound up winning our best painted with uh his Rothorn. 
And, uh, you know, he, he had done a display base and he had had everything painted uh, just just excellently. And that, you know, that that was really, uh, really what set it apart uh, for me. I mean, the, there, there are some really good painters, uh, you know, throughout North America. Uh, and and I think I, I can't tell you that the the player talent would have gone up if we had international people because you know we're we're the best right here but oh, yeah. uh i gotta tell you the the painting competition would uh would have been amazing yeah like it's just sometimes the the painting depresses me because i'm like i did all this effort and you've just shat on me like this <laughs> is just it's not even fair yeah. um but one last thing to touch on for events is pairings and how you do like points and stuff so there's multiple ways to do it. It's really important you settle on one and that you're comfortable with using it. So one common one is best coast pairings because um, you can set it up to like people just enter their scores, but you need to figure out how you're going to do it because the problem with BCP is user, well, the problem is BCP can just die randomly. So if you're doing electronic scoring, you need to have a backup somehow. Well, if you if you're uh, running your tournament out of a outlet mall on the edge of the city, you also might not get Wi-Fi. Yes, uh, you like internet connections can be problematic, yeah. and even if you've got a way for players to enter their own scores, you're usually just going to have to enter their scores anyway. Uh, but the good thing about Best Coast pairings, it does pairings, and then it gives you final results. You just have to make sure it's and it's following. Generally, it follows the GW scoring system. So, you know, that eases a lot of things. The only problem is getting people to register and actually use the app. But you need to be comfortable with whatever interface you're using. I'm a fan of just using Excel spreadsheets because that's how we used to do it at Games Workshop events. And that's how I do it at all my events. The issue is the bigger your event, you're going to have to be have a really efficient score, like spreadsheet, and it takes a lot of effort. So for me, my like my events were getting a bit too big for spreadsheets, but I'm stubborn because the thing is then I can concisely have that data isn't linked to anything online, then I can just like save it and use it for later. Uh, but then you've got the old school way. Let's say, I don't know, you're, for some reason, uh, everyone's cut down all the 5G towers where you live. There's no internet connection for this tournament or you're like in a bunker. I don't know. You can always go down the written route, hand and paper. But generally, I would advise if you've got like a small scale event, if you're comfortable with spreadsheets, that's probably the best way to go. If you're going to do online, like if you've got a huge, like I'd say more than 16 players, I generally advise using best coast pairings, even though I don't like it. It's still probably the best tournament app to use for the game. What did you use for uh, the Alberta Classic? So, so I knew that our Wi-Fi connection was going to be sketchy. Uh, so, so we didn't do BCP at all. Uh, normally I would. I, I don't mind BCP. It's a it's a little tricky for for me to use, but other other than that, it's fine. But uh, I I use spreadsheets uh, or Excel regularly at work. Uh, so I I uh, and and it's funny our Age of Sigmar and our Blood Bowl guys uh, they also use it. So I I just piggybacked off the programs that they use, and you're able to sort by glory or by games lost or however you need. And so I, I had a pretty slick one uh, ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that brags about my spreadsheet. You know? uh, <laughs> and, and so I had that ready. 
uh, to go. We had tested on a couple store store level tournaments uh, ahead of time to make sure that there weren't any kinks. Now that being said, still had kinks uh, at the end. It had oh actually, yeah, kinks always happen in my yeah. It had actually it had actually mixed up our eighth and ninth place, and so uh, uh, Trevor Conrad, who who's an excellent player, and he he actually won our skirmish event on the Sunday. But uh, the because of a math error in, in the spreadsheet, uh, he was placed eighth instead of uh, I believe it was one of the guys from Ontario, and you know so so after I had announced it, I had to pull a Steve Harvey and say, oh you know what I'm wrong, this guy was eighth, not this guy. Uh, so it, uh, it it was too bad that that I had to do that. But at the end of the day, if you make a mistake going up to it. Because nothing, yeah. nothing's ever going to go perfect. But uh, really, my I, I found using Excel uh, to be great, uh, as long as you know how you're using it and you know how to use the sort functions properly. Uh, that will get you through a lot. Yeah, I find like I'm the, I, I 100% agree. Like for me, Excel is the best, just because you have more control. And as long as you're comfortable with it, it can do basically anything you want and it can sort stuff. The cool thing is you can get it to sort like warband ratios and stuff and then export that into graphs if you want to like brag online. Well, not a brag, but, you know, be more informative online or like like for summarizing the events. But it's generally use whatever you're comfortable with that will work for your event. Because, yeah, as the important thing is, if you have poor network coverage, the apps won't be work well, they won't be worth it for you because you need an active internet connection to use them um but then yeah just to summarize i think we've covered pretty much anything uh, everything the last thing is i think it's really important to promote your event after it's finished mm-hmm. so like um key thing like i think we both do this is just take like group shots of the winners as long as they're comfortable and just promote the event because especially if you want to do it continuing uh, even if you if you're not sure you are making going like oh you know we got x amount of players everyone had a great time this is who won and this is what the scores were it drives up interest for people go like go oh you know what i just i decided not to go to this one i really regret now i've seen it so i'm going to go to the next one stuff like that and you know what fear of missing out is real uh yeah i i got a lot of fomo messages after posting things and you know there there have been some tournaments that i've missed uh that that you know, what whatever I was doing that weekend, uh, I, I would think at the end of the weekend, man, I could have gone for some glass instead of you know X. So so absolutely, that that was a big thing about it, and and especially in order to keep the high level competitive scene going and to to make sure that you get uh, that prize support from Games Workshop, that's the sort of stuff that I'm I'm sure they want to see. Uh, so. So I, I made sure after we got it, I, I took all the pictures that I had taken. I certainly promoted it, but I also sent it to uh, Steve over at Games Workshop to to let him know uh, how much his work had had uh, affected our turnout, and and say hey, if if you build it, we will come. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It's that important part of networking, um, because yeah, you especially if it's GW sponsored, they will love to see the feedback of. Like they're really happy when this attendance is good and people have had a good time because it it shows like you know the game's doing well people like what's going on that you've run a good event and then they can know they're more comfortable returning to you 
But it's, it's a great way because, yeah, FOMO is just like, I know Games Workshop has got me by the balls with FOMO. Like, just, <laughs> I mean, I missed the Alpharius novel and I'm so upset still. But it, it's it's that key, key thing because, especially weird, that's what drove attendance for my local tournaments in London because we kept getting people like going missing out. And then the last one we could do, we got nearly like 26 players. And then I got like 10 people going, oh yeah, we really like, I, I really regret like, you know, dropping out or not coming. I'm definitely coming to the next one. And it just stacks because you're not going to, you're not trying to go like, oh, ha, ha, oh, look, if you didn't come, you suck. It's kind of just going, everyone had a great time. Um, I'm planning to do this again. Or you just want to show that it was a good event because, you know, as we said, it will get more people to go, you know what? When this next when this next happens, I'm going to be there because even if I'm not going to win, I know I'm going to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, and that's just how you how you have to put it. That you know, if you, if you miss the Super Bowl one year, that doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy it next year. So, may make sure to show up next time. I mean, one important thing: you're going to have to be comfortable with chilling yourself. But you know, as someone who has sold their soul a long time ago. It gets easier with time. But um, is there anything else you want to add that you feel we've mess- left out for this episode? Um, oh, yes, there, there is one thing. Uh, I, I mentioned before when the Ontario guys came, they, they had asked if they wanted to do a, a team alliance game with us. And so the, the Alberta Nightfall Tupper Sanctum put together our three best, so myself and, and Matt and Dave, and uh, took on their team. And, and so we had decided that uh, as, as this was the first major uh, Grand Clash event and it was the first major uh, conflict between uh, team team championships or, or alliance formats, that uh, this would be the Canadian uh, Grand Alliance Championship. Yeah. And so we're actually having a, a WWF-style championship belt mm-hmm. made. Uh, it will be in our possession because uh, even though those Ontario guys are pretty nice people, they did teach us a good thing about being janitors because we swept them. <laughs> as so, you uh, I, I would like to send this out as a challenge. We are going to have another Grand Clash. I think we'll have to do a, a Grand Alliance or, or a team event next time because it, it really went over well. Uh, the, even though we had it at the end of the tournament, uh, there, there are people sticking around because they, they want to see how it would go. Uh, and so we'll we'll make sure to have a, a a grand alliance maybe on the on the Friday or we'll we'll figure out something. And uh, I would like to challenge everybody from Canada to come here and sharpen your skills to uh, improve all of our games and make some friends because we're all nice people here. We'll, we'll just you just say that again after you kick their butts. Yeah, exactly. drive their faces into the dirt. You're like <laughs> we're really nice, and now yeah, you know your yeah. place. <laughs> and you know what, all, all you Yanks and all you Brits, come here. You 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 come get some too. I, I will I will try to come if you know if Justin Trudeau will let me into the country. Yeah. Uh, he's just he's like no Johns allowed. It's like <laughs> we've already got one. I'm afraid can't come. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not my fault. I pack my shade glass trophies as defensible weapons Ooh. on plane just to go. You need to you need to be able to defend yourself. You just need one in each hand. They're really good punch daggers. I learned from the Skaven. But yeah, uh, uh, I mean, and, and honestly, I'm actually gonna break into your place. I'm gonna dye all your trophies green because uh, oh, it, it's actually that uh, warp stone that's been messing me up so badly. 
Oh no, I'm fine. I mean, I've ate, I've eaten some of them, but it's it's only made me stronger. That's you know, I'm I'm part glass now. You know, nice and hard. But um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think we've covered everything. Um, oh yeah, another shout. Yeah, because like the cool thing is getting support. So yeah, thanks to all the other podcasters and other content creators who shouted out the tournament because yeah it. It was really cool helping to get like the Canadian Grand Clash out there. And I'm always, and I'm sure we all, they all are as well too, like always happy to shout out tournaments. So if if you're wanting to big up attendance to your tournament, feel free to let a content creator know because we'll generally always be happy to. Like, for example, I always big up the the webcam tournaments when I can. Um, I, I do the, in my monthly news show as well. I And I'm sure the other content creators big up tournaments as well so that's another great way to get attendance especially if you're running like by vassal or even like tabletop simulator tournaments but um yeah i think that's pretty much it for now so i hope you've enjoyed this episode with me and derek it's it's been nice to chat to you again derek i hope you've you've enjoyed listening to my voice again after after this long absence we've had since you last were able to come to the united kingdom but, um... <laughs> well, I, I, I made the best of it, didn't I? Yes, yeah, you did. Uh, but is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, you know what? Thank you for for having me on. Uh, we're, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to getting to play in person again. So everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. I mean, I I know I know lots of us have uh, gotten COVID or break broken a toe or something like that uh, over the last year. Uh, lots of people in our community too uh, have definitely been in that area, but. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you all, and you know, I'll, I'll be playing Shadespire until they get rid of it. So make sure to keep those tournaments coming, and if you send up a flag, we're we're certainly up for a road trip or a quick flight. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, just stay safe, do what you can, and remember, there's always online safe ways to play, and just continue keep continue supporting Warhammer Underworlds and like your local community because. Even if you're just running weekly local online tournaments via like Vassal or Tabletop Simulator or Webcam, that will keep your your local scene going. That's how my scene goes. We don't we do our web, uh, weekly gaming nights via Webcam, but you can do tournaments like monthly as well, just for fun because it's not about winning; it's about playing and having fun. But yeah, stay safe, keep rolling crits, and I'll see you soon.